Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, for the fact that we can be in your house in fellowship with one another, for all of the things you're working in our lives. And again, Lord, we want to uh, just thank you for our mothers. Uh, Everybody in this room and on this planet either has one or had one at one point. Uh, And so we thank you for mothers, for life, uh, and for your word. God, we pray that your message would impact each and every one of us this morning and that you would draw us ever nearer to your heart. We thank you that you are our all in all. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right. If you want to flip along, we're in John chapter 15 this morning. If you recall the last few weeks, we have been in Matthew chapter 9. And I knew that I was going to be doing this sermon for a while, and I was noticing something in all of the sermons that Dan did. People came to Jesus in a certain state of life. They came broken. They came with a problem, a physical malady of some kind or another. And they left changed. They didn't leave Jesus the same way they got there. When they left Jesus, they were healed. They were set right. And I was thinking about our lives and how Jesus should have that same impact on us. So I was thinking, what indicates, what indicates that change for us as believers? And what popped into my mind was this passage in John chapter 15. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. May God add his blessing as we continue in worship. This morning, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the way that we are able to come together, brother and sister, as a family, relying on you. We pray that you would bind us in unity and that you would draw us ever nearer to your heart. You are our source of strength, and we thank you for that. In your precious and holy name, we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can grab a seat. Kids, you can scamper off, unless you want to stick around. I love hearing the cacophony of the children leaving. 
It's one of my favorite noises on Sunday. The chaos, the joy. It's a good noise. And the fact that we have that in our church is a huge blessing. I mean, there's a lot of churches that are not thriving at this moment. Heck, there are probably still a bunch that aren't even open. So, I'm so glad to hear that. Good morning. If you didn't notice, this sermon title is a pun. Um, I just wanted to announce that and make it super clear. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I'm glad Mark's laughing. Yeah, it's, it's not a missing G on accident. It's there on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I like my puns. But I wanted to talk about this little section. Because we need to leave Christ changed, as I was talking about earlier. And that change results in fruits in our life. So I consulted a local resident grape expert named Scott Brown. I was like, Scott, I don't know how grapes work. I know that they're purple. Well, some of them are purple. And you eat them. That was, that was pretty much, and they grow on vines. That was, that was more or less my knowledge of grapes right there. It makes jelly, it makes wine, it makes juice, um, and they're good. And it smells really nice in the fall. And he gave me some, some tips on how grapes work, and he suggested this book. So I borrowed this book from Dan's office. He's not here, so I broke into his office. Uh, and if you, guys, if you guys want to borrow it, I read it. It's great. Uh, I read it in like two, two and a half sittings. I say two and a half because uh, the, the second sitting, I wasn't really paying attention. I kept zoning out, so I just put the book down and went back to it later. Um, but it's, it's an easy read. It's just a bunch of real short chapters, and it really connects our life and our faith to these verses and talks about what it really means to be a, a branch, branching onto the true vine of Jesus, and all kinds of things about grapes and connecting it to our faith. It was a really cool book, and I'll give you some insights from that book, but I highly encourage reading it. Uh, and if you want to borrow it from Dan, he's gone for like a whole week, so he won't even know. But he said it's okay. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Exactly. Just like the house party we're planning on Tuesday. I'm kidding. There is no house party at Dan's house. I'm not doing that to him. But what an idea. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> Kenny approves. So it was Kenny's idea. That's how that works. So... Verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. The I here is Jesus. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And what really stuck out to me is, my Father is the gardener, or some translations say farmer. You don't accidentally garden something or farm something. That doesn't accidentally happen. That is a very intentional thing. As I was talking to Scott, he told me that there are three different ways to fertilize grapes depending on what part of the plant you want to fertilize. There are all sorts of different ways to deal with various pestilence. Uh, there's different kinds of grapes for different uses. Uh, like if you want to make jelly, which is what a lot of our grapes do, which is why we have a, 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 a Welch's. I, I don't know why the brand escaped me. We have a Welch's plant in Northeast, right? That's because our grapes are really sweet grapes, and they're good for making 
juices and jam or jelly. So there's that, but then there's also other grapes that could be used for other things like wine, and there are a lot of wineries around as well that's kind of growing in popularity in our region. There's a lot going on, and that doesn't happen on accident. The closest thing to accidental farming I can think of is when my parents were landscaping. Uh, so when we were landscaping our house, we had two beds, and my mom wanted something to border the beds. And she thought, you know what would be kind of cute and kind of nice would be some strawberry plants. And so she found this place online where she could buy strawberry plants. She bought 300 strawberry plants. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have ever had strawberry plants, but oh yeah, yeah. So you know those big tubs that you can get cheese puffs in at the grocery store? They're about this tall and that big around. We could fill one every day with strawberries because they were the ones that uh, Everbearing, I think they're called, right? And they're all throughout the summer. Yeah. So we had one of those like every day. Um, so we were accidental strawberry farmers. But that's pretty much the only time I've ever heard of being an accidental farm. You can't, you can't do that with a vineyard. In fact, grapes are really, really picky. In order to properly grow grapes, you've got the vine, right? Jesus is saying he's the true vine and we're the branches. Well, you can only have a certain number of branches supported by the vine. Otherwise, you don't get enough nutrients and enough sap and enough of the good stuff. And then off of those branches come these little canes, which can turn into more branches, or they can have little clusters of grapes, and you got to trim those, and you can only trim them and prune them during the wintertime. Otherwise, it can cause infections, and bugs and things can get in there. And there's, there's all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of finessing to growing grapes. If we are the branches bearing that fruit, that means that God is constantly at work. He is constantly looking over us, nurturing us, making sure that we are given the care that we need in that proper season. Like I said, if you prune in the summertime, it can cause infections and uh, a lot of sap can leak out and so it won't get to the fruits. It has to happen in the wintertime. God knows what we need in certain seasons as well. And he knows what we need to properly grow. He wouldn't use the wrong kind of fertilizer for us so that we'd be lacking in one area and strong in another. He knows what we need and when we need it. The farmer knows his plants. Next verse, it says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. As I was discussing, there's only a certain amount of branches. Uh, the book suggested five. I don't know if that was his preference or if that's pretty much a rule of thumb across grape plants. Um, like I, I don't know if it could range from four to six. I've, I've never had a grapevine. Fun fact about me. Um, and so he suggested five, and they, they branch two of the branches off in one direction and three in the other. Uh, that way there's not too much overlap on the uh, metal wires that the vines branch onto and wrap around. 
all of the branches that don't look like they'd be fruitful are chopped off completely. They're gone. But the ones that are fruitful, well, they still get a trimming. It's not that they are scot-free, good to go, left alone forever. They still need that constant care and maintenance. Now, this is not somebody pruning or trimming a grapevine. That looks like a bunch of nasty weeds. In fact, there's a bunch of thorns on the plant closest to uh, the camera in that picture. But we know that those who don't produce fruit are chopped off. They're cast away. Just like you don't want those nasty weeds in your garden. We need to be careful. There is a purpose to being a branch. We have a purpose. We are supposed to bear fruit. And when we don't, we run the risk of being about as useful as a weed. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And if you do not fulfill that, if you are not following him, you're not going to live up to that purpose you have in life. The plants are there to bear fruit. There is a reason for being here. Talking to his disciples, he says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So there's also a way to splice plants together. Uh, I don't know why the word... Yes, grafting. Thank you, Kenny. I was just about to say, I don't know why the word escaped me, but Kenny was right there. Bam, on the spot. (laughs) It is. It really is. He said it's one of the coolest abilities in horticulture. So you can mix plants together. And sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it does not work as well. There's a little crab apple tree in my front yard that was grafted. Dan has informed me of this, and you can kind of tell because it gets these little shoots at the very, very bottom of the tree that grow in a different direction than the shoots that grow at the top of the tree. And every now and again, you need to run around and you need to chop those off, or it looks weird, and you'll have like two trees growing at the same time at the same place. Uh, In fact, last year for a while, it looked like I had another tree growing up in the middle of the tree that I had there because there was one shoot that did quite well. Uh, And I did not have a chainsaw, so I had to recruit someone with one. We, especially as people who weren't born as Jews, there's often a picture of that grafting incorporated throughout the New Testament. Paul talks about it uh, with olive branches, not grapes, but um, with olive branches, he was talking about how you can bring in a wild branch, and you can graft it into a a cultivated olive tree. And that is the picture of us as outsiders who are grafted into the faith. We're brought in intentionally. That, in some senses, is what Jesus is 
informing of here. Not that it requires grafting, but especially with a graft, it is critical that the graft remain connected and that the graft receives enough sap. If it doesn't, it's very clearly and evidently going to die. Now, a normal branch can also have that problem. If you've ever done something like build a treehouse or had a rope swing, you can see what happens when a tree doesn't get all of its nutrients. It gets this scarring around the thing that's wrapped around it or drilled into it or nailed to it. It scars, and if it's too tight or if it pulls on the branch too much, that branch will die. It permanently harms the trees. Actually, it's something kind of neat. If you've ever been to the Peak and Peak, they have this high ropes course that's in the trees, and they try to do the least amount of damage to the trees as possible. So all of their ropes and steel cables and everything that's attached to the trees has all of these two-by-four planks in between the cables and the trees to prevent that scarring because they know it will permanently damage and ultimately kill those trees. If it's just put around there the normal, easy, quick and fast way. We don't want our lives to be drained of sap. We don't want ourselves to be self-reliant. We don't want the quick and easy way that will lead to a spiritual death, or in the very least, bad fruit. If you had a grape, and you were going to pick a grape that you wanted to eat, you'd want a nice, big, juicy one, right? You wouldn't want some lean, mean one, probably only about yay big, not real juicy, not real soft. You wouldn't want that, right? No, you'd want a nice, big, juicy grape that you pop it in your mouth and it's soft and it's sweet and it has that little bit of crunch when you bite into it. Mm. If you're not hungry yet. That's what you want in a fruit. But that doesn't happen without sap. It's got to get its nutrients. It's got to get the good stuff. Well, the good stuff doesn't reside in the branch. The good stuff comes all the way from the roots. And what's between a branch and the roots? The vine. The vine. Jesus is our lifeline. And this is a very clear picture of how Jesus is our lifeline. He is what gives us nutrients, fulfillment, purpose. A branch without a vine is just firewood. I encourage you, to lean on that. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you look, this verse is super similar to the last verse. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. Uh, if you remain in me, and I in you. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He pretty much said the same thing twice in a row. Do you know what that means? It's real important. The way that society and culture worked at this point in time, it wasn't like Jesus had Twitter. 
I, I know that that probably boggles some of your minds, but Jesus did not have a Twitter. I don't think so. I don't even think he had a MySpace, Mark. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so he said it twice so that it would stick. Things had to be recited by memory for most people. And the few people who could read and write would write things down, and so that's how we eventually got um, the New Testament. It wasn't written as Jesus was speaking. It's not like there were journalists there with you know, their scrolls and their feather pens writing down exactly what he said as he said it. They had to remember it. And so Jesus said this twice because it was super important. We need to recognize that he is the vine, that he is the one who sustains us. And that if we lean on that, if we recognize that, we will bear much fruit. And if we don't, we will spiritually die. The fruit relies on the root. I made that rhyme. I know that that's not the, you know, the vine, but I figured if I made it rhyme, it might stick in your head a little bit. So the fruit, huh? Uh, maybe, maybe. I know I can't out pizza the hut though. So the fruit relies on the root. We've got to lean on Christ. And again, remember how I said it was really important? He says it a third time right here. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Who wants to, who wants to be thrown into the fire? No? Nobody? Me neither. So, when does this happen? This is what happens in the wintertime. The farmer goes through in the wintertime after the harvest. Uh, actually, after the harvest, they get a few, they get, they get a few weeks of rest. Um, and then they go out and they check on the vines. And they clip off the ones that weren't fruitful. And they clip off the ones that they think would just drain unnecessary sap from the vine to make sure that the fruit-bearing branches get the most Bang for their buck. Because you don't want to be fueling unnecessary growth. That's just going to lead to more problems. And the other thing is the branches, if they're not trimmed back in a certain way, can get so heavy that they'll snap off from the vine. So there's got to be a balance there. So they go through and they chop off all of the branches that are no good, no bueno. They pile them up and they got to get rid of them somehow, right? You don't want to just leave them there. If you're tripping on them, you wouldn't be able to really get to your fruit. So they put them in a pile and they burn them up. You don't want to be burned up. So dead plants are not a good thing. I have a picture there of a dead plant at my house. So I went to Lowe's, I don't know, like a week ago. Uh, I was with Kim and... We picked up a little, they call it a money tree. I don't know why it doesn't grow any money. Um, but it's, it's called a money tree, and it's about yay tall, and it's got like four or five little trunks. 
uh, and it can grow up to be a pretty nice little plant. And as we were checking out of Lowe's, the lady was like, hey, do you want a free treat? I was like, what? And she hands me this little sapling, probably about yay tall, and she said that it was a birch pine, which just confused me because that sounds like two kinds of trees that don't really line up. So I, I, don't, I don't know if she didn't know what kind of tree it was, if it was some kind of hybrid tree that I didn't know about, but it was, it was a cute little sapling. And I didn't know where to put it. I, I have a couple flower beds around the house, but you don't want it too close to the house because then it'll ruin the foundation. Um, but I also didn't want to redo the bed out front because I just made that bed last year, and that was a lot of hard work, and I, I had everything lined up and measured out with tape measure and all that good stuff. I was like, I don't know where to put this tree. So I figured, you know what, it's still a little sapling. I'll, I'll pot it like a flower until it grows a little bit, and then I'll either get a bigger pot or I'll actually figure out where to plant this thing. Um, a couple days go by, and this happens. I don't know if it was the dog, but she looked like a guilty culprit. Uh, and as I was trying to take a picture, she, she came up and wanted attention and affection, uh, as dogs are wont to do. And so I took these pictures. <clears throat> but that is a dead plant. And you know what I can do with that dead plant? Absolutely nothing. Well, that's probably not even big enough to burn. Maybe I could burn it. But it's not, it's not good for anything. It's not going to grow. It's not going to blossom. It's not going to bloom. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to provide shade. It's done for, man. I don't know if it was the cats or the dog or all three of them, but it, that plant is no longer a plant. You don't want that to be a reflection of your spiritual life. And that's what happens if you try to go it on your own. You need your sustenance from the vine, and you need the farmer to come through and make sure that you're in line, that you're trimmed up, that you're ready to go, that you're wrapped around the wire, that you're leaning on the vine, that you're trimmed back so you don't overdo it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What speaks better of a farmer than a bountiful harvest? Right? If you're a farmer, a true farmer, and not an accidental strawberry farmer, you rely on that farm, right? That's something that you not only want to have, but you need to have it. That's what pays the bills. That's what put food on your table. And back in those days, you either had to be a farmer or you had to make enough money that you could pay the farmers for their food. Those were your two options. There wasn't a grocery store. There wasn't, that, that wasn't a concept. That wasn't something they were able to do. If God here is a farmer, it's not that he relies on us in that way, but he gave us a purpose that we need to fulfill, and he is tending to that adamantly as a farmer would. And so it brings him glory and honor when we are fruitful. It brings God joy when we are fruitful. Remember how I said I almost had a little, like, you know, Fruits of the Spirit song at the beginning? That's some of the fruit that we bear. 
I know in my head when I picture fruit in this particular analogy, my brain always goes to discipleship. Uh, I, I went to school and I studied missions, so that's kind of a natural thing for me. Um, but fruit isn't just people. Fruit is also our hearts. Our hearts need to change. Like I said before, Dan's sermon series was about people who came to Jesus and left changed. And that's how we need to be. Because if you're a vine that doesn't have any change, you're going to end up like my potted plant. My, my, I don't remember, what was it? What did I say it was? Yeah, a birch pine. Yeah, pine birch. Again, that didn't make any sense to me, but whatever. It's dead now, so it doesn't really matter what it was called, right? You don't want to end up like that. You want to end up like my prayer plant. So my prayer plant, I went to, I, I do my grocery shopping at Wegmans, and they have these little plants. They sell them as, as four-inch house plants because they're about four inches tall, give or take-ish, um, and they're like six bucks. And I thought this one was cute, and so I got it. Um, plus, I had some empty pots because, believe it or not, my pets have killed multiple plants. Uh, I got cat grass, uh, and the cat and the dogs all tried to eat that, so uh, I'm not getting any more cat grass at any point. Um, let's see, what else? I think, I think that's the only other one that I can def definitively say was killed by the pets. There have been plants that I have killed myself. Uh, good thing I'm not a farmer, right? So this little prayer plant, or I think it was a prayer plant, because the tag on it just said, I am a beautiful house plant, so I don't know what that means. But I looked up pictures, and I'm pretty sure it's a prayer plant. I took this picture at night, because uh, my plant, for some reason at nighttime, its leaves all go like this. I, I, I don't know what the purpose of that is, but it's kind of cool looking. And when I got it, it fit in this little pot that was about yay big around, right? Because that's what it came in, you know, this tall, this big around. It is now in a flower pot that's probably eight or ten inches in diameter. Actually, you can see a coaster there on the table to the left of it. That's a drink coaster. Um, and some of those leaves are about the size of my hand. And I got this plant like, I don't know, six months ago. It is like exploded. It really loves my little front porch sunroom area. And I've done enough watering that I haven't killed it yet. And it loves it out there. It is thriving with its little miracle grow potting mix and occasional watering. It loves it. That's what God wants to see in us. Even though you might feel like you're a $6 grocery store plant, you can still get that growth. And that's what God wants to see in you. And it doesn't all have to happen at once. And it doesn't have to look like everyone else. And you know what? You might be a cotton candy grape in a vineyard full of concords. And that's okay. You know what? I really like cotton candy grapes. I do, yeah. Are they really, really sweet? Yes. Is it probably less healthy than something like a Concord grape? Yes. Do I still buy them at the grocery store? Yes. <laughs> God wants to see us grow. And it's going to look different for everybody. And there are going to be seasons where you don't feel like you're growing. And you feel like you're wiped out. You feel like there's nothing left for you to do. Maybe that's just your winter time. 
Maybe that's your time for pruning, for cutting back on some things and really leaning on the branch. Because when wintertime is over, spring happens. And that's when you get that new life, that new growth, that budding, that blossoming. And even during that time, there might still be a couple of frosts that come by and hit. That doesn't mean that you're being neglected by the farmer. In fact, that's one of the most important times for a farmer to be in the vineyard, is those hard times. In the winter, when it's cold. I was talking to Scott about this, and he actually said that in our area, some of the pruning happened a little bit later than would normally happen during this season because workers have been in short demand. And in this book, I found it super interesting. Um, this book is written by someone whose dad ran a vineyard. Uh, so in my father's vineyard is kind of a double entendre. It's not just talking about God's vineyard. It's also talking about his literal father's vineyard. And it said that he didn't like bringing in outside help to do the pruning. He hated that. He would do it only when absolutely necessary because he cared about his grapes more than anybody else could, and he knew his grapes better than anybody else did. I want you to feel encouraged that even if this season feels hard and dry, like a cold winter, it doesn't mean that God's not at work. In fact, he's probably pruning back on the most important things even if you don't quite see it yet. Sometimes it's hard to be a branch. But by golly, in the harvest time, that's when you know it's all been worth it. Like I said, you might feel like a $4 grocery store plant but even those, at least in my opinion, can be quite beautiful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us, that you care about our growth, our development, our fruitfulness, that you give us a purpose in life, that you want us to change for the better. God, I pray if there's anyone who doesn't know that change or doesn't know what it's like to rely on you as the true vine, I pray that they would feel the courage to come forward and talk to me. God, that they would ask those questions. We pray for anyone who feels like they're in that winter pruning season where it's cold and where it hurts. Pruning is not an easy process. But Lord, you do it for our well-being, so that we're not overburdened or drawn in the wrong direction, so that we're getting all the nutrients we need from you. I pray that you would sustain us, that you would continue to grow us as a church. Yesterday was a powerful day seeing all the people come together to do work around the church, whether it was something that seems mundane and kind of boring, like pressure washing a roof or whether it was someone who went out of their way and helped hang a door in my garage. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to be there. 
And so we thank you for the fruits that we are seeing in our church and for the people who are blossoming and budding. We thank you for the ripe harvest here at Greenfield. God, we know from a few weeks back that you say that your workers are few. But we thank you for all of the hardworking people here at Greenfield Baptist. We pray for our continued growth and that we would lean on you as our all in all. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.